everybody. Welcome into the Ballsy Podcast, the baseball version for this week. And it and we have all of our baseball experts here in the office. It is me, Evan Grant, surrounded by nobody. Kevin Sherrington has left on vacation. David Moore is just back from vacation but uh, did not come into the office today. So uh, it's just me here talking Rangers baseball. And um, we'll go through a few things related to the first half and uh a little bit about the trade deadline and uh then we'll uh we'll let you out of here but um uh the rangers finished the first half on sunday in baltimore with a in what really was the most appropriate way for the rangers to finish the first half of this really forgettable season uh they blew a four nothing first inning lead in which they loaded the bases with no outs got a grand slam from ronald guzman and ended up losing that game 6-5, to five, with the final out being made at home plate when Carlos Tochi ran through a late stop sign at third base, didn't get a good jump from first trying to score on Elvis Andrus's two-out double in the ninth inning, and was thrown out by at least 15 feet. Uh, it kind of highlights that this is a team that just really isn't going anywhere this year, uh, and this is a team that is, is in the beginning stages of a uh, – of a, of a long-term rebuild. And I think the biggest takeaway for me over the last couple of weeks is we've talked about this Rangers rebuild. We've talked about it on, on, on the podcast extensively. And I, I think that the easy operating uh, line has been that, hey, 2020 is, is when the Rangers may be more, more competitive again in the American League West. Uh, the new ballpark will be open. Um, it's uh a year and a half worth of, of development and so forth and so on. But I, the more I look at this, the more I think that uh, if you're going to the ballpark in 2020, enjoy that new roof, enjoy that air conditioning, uh, enjoy all the really cool amenities that I'm sure that park is going to have. But I don't see this team competing in 2020. Um, I don't see them uh, having the necessary pitching to be there. The This team is – is really short on starting pitching. It hasn't developed starting pitching. It hasn't grown starting pitching. Uh, and as we as we head to the trade deadline, the Rangers are probably going to deal Cole Hamels for whatever the best deal is they can get for him. And even if he doesn't go anywhere and he comes back next year, that's the last year of his contract, and he'd be 35 years old. Uh, he leads the staff with 109 innings. The, the, next, the next guy on the staff is – Bartolo Colon, who has been the best starter from the start of the year on, and Bartolo is 45 years old. Um, the number three, the number three guy in innings is Mike Miners, who who just fell short of 100 innings uh, by only lasting two and two thirds on Sunday. And Miner is on a pitch count and a limit this year. The Rangers hope to keep him under about 170 innings for the season after missing the last three years as a starter he did pitch as a reliever last year for Kansas City uh, but the Rangers are hoping to make a significant jump in innings for him off of last year uh, by about 80 to 90 innings maybe even 100 uh, that would get him right into the 170 range um, and he has shown a lot of promise he is he he, he has uh, pitched well uh, this last start was was not great for him, but he had, he had really looked strong over the final five weeks before the all-star break. And, and I think that, you know, going into 2019, Miner's going to be the top guy in, in this rotation. 
Martin Perez came back on Saturday night, pitched seven innings, and that was that was impressive. It has to be considered that it was against the Baltimore Orioles, who have the worst record in Major League Baseball. The Rangers lost two of three to the Orioles this weekend. Uh, Perez is an enigma, uh, as he is six years into his Major League career. The Rangers are still talking about whether or not one big inning can kind of undo him and if something goes wrong in an inning, can he can he rebound from it? He's 27 years old. He'll be 28 next year. It's really time for Martin Perez. It's past time for Martin Perez as a as a as a homegrown pitcher to develop into a reliable uh, starter for the middle of the rotation. He had a, a 199 inning season in 2016. Last year he came up a little bit short of that. Uh, he was very um, inconsistent over the course of the year, and but finished strong. And the Rangers were hoping to build on that this year. Uh, had the accident involving a bull, and, and as we all know, accidents involving bulls are, are unfortunate. Led to a, a surgery, um, and he, he didn't respond real well uh, coming out of the gate. I missed two and a half months with, with nerve inflammation in his non-throwing elbow. Uh, and when he came back on Saturday, you know, he he is sitting here with, with a half of a season to go to really prove to the Rangers once again that, that this is a guy that they they want to invest in. He's got an option for next year at $7.5 million. I don't see any way that the Rangers turn that down because they don't have enough pitching. Maybe if they had other pitching options, uh, there would be some thought. But at $7.5 million, even for a – a bottom uh, half of the rotation type starter, it, it's hard to turn that guy, it's hard, hard to turn that away. Uh, he's also got an option for $9 million for 2020. So he could be in the rotation in 2020. Uh, you look at he and the possibility, he as a possibility along with minor. And right now for 2020, that's your rotation. The, the question is who's going to join them? And in the minor league system, Right now, the most advanced guys have have not had great years. Ariel Hurado uh, did make one okay start against a really bad Chicago White Sox team in May. Uh, Johander Mendez made a bad start in the big leagues, uh, was going to be given a longer look, um, missed, team, missed curfew, and ended up with, uh, with a demotion all the way to the minor leagues, uh, all the way to the Class A of the minor leagues, and he's trying to rebuild himself and – after this year, he's going to be out of options. So the Rangers are going to have to make a decision about him that could be potentially permanent uh, for 2020, for 2019. Uh, I, I think that the scouts that I speak with don't see Mendez or Hurado as top half of the rotation pitchers. Uh, they are back end of the rotation guys, if that. Um, and then you get into the system, and – the next tier is Jonathan Hernandez and uh, Edgar Arredondo, who were both promoted to to Double A this year. Uh, I don't. I would expect that Hernandez, who will get some kind of September look, just as a kind of preview. But I don't think that this is a guy that you're going to count on for the rotation in 2019. And I'd like to see him go somewhere and, and dominate from the start of the season on. Uh, before he is counted on. So I, I don't think you can count on him having a full season in the majors until 2020. Uh, it would be hard to think that this guy's going to go right into the middle of a, of a championship caliber rotation. 
Um, beyond that, you know, you're talking about guys at Class A. There's some talent there, uh, and there's some definite young talent. Hans Kraus is is off to a great start at short season Class A Spokane. He was the number, he was the second round pick a year ago, and he just came off of a seven inning, one hit, eleven strikeout performance that was that was absolutely dominant. But my caution on this is always this: when you're talking about short season. When you're talking about rookie level, that's a long way from the majors, and a lot can go wrong between now and then. Kraus is off to a great start. He's, he's shown an awful lot of promise. Uh, I think he's already exceeded what the Rangers' initial expectations would be for how he'd perform. But there's still a long way to go before people can count on Hans Kraus being in this rotation or being in the top half of it. Uh, and, and then you get into the injuries. You get into... Uh, Cole Reagans, the number one pick in 2016, undergoing Tommy John surgery in March of this year. So he's out until the mid part of 2019 when hopefully he'll be able to return and pitch uh, maybe at the Class A level. Uh, Kyle Cody was the minor league pitcher of the year last year. Uh, missed all, missed much, most of spring training with uh, some shoulder and elbow problems. The Rangers tried to get him through uh, without having Tommy John surgery, uh, came to a situation where he was about to go out on a minor league rehab, uh, uh, to start a minor league rehab assignment after a couple of outings in Arizona. And last week he had a flare-up that is going to lead to Tommy John surgery this week. So now he will miss all of 2018. He will miss all of 2019. And you're going to be looking at a 25-year-old pitcher who hasn't pitched above Class A, who will need to either be protected on the major league roster in 2019 or um, or, or 2020. And uh, that that is nothing but a, a, a big bag of questions at that point. Uh, Alex Spees, the Rangers' number two pick from 2019, uh, I believe 16, underwent Tommy John surgery this year. So that's three uh, top-tier pitching pitchers who are going to miss all of 2018, uh, and in some cases a significant part of, two, uh, part of 2019. And that is all part of the, the wave that the Rangers hoped was at the, at the outset of their minor league careers. Uh, so I think there's, there's big questions about where this team will be pitching-wise uh, come 2020. And, and, and I really think that you may have to start looking at the idea that this rebuild is more of a three-year process than, than a two-year process, and that may change how the Rangers approach a lot of things. You know, I, I, I think that uh, it may make you more willing to consider do you trade a young player who's got some experience. I think they have already talked about the idea of trading Keone Kella, who is uh, arbitration eligible, will have four years of service time under his belt after this year, and we'll have two years until free agency. Do you, He's been a great closer this year. Do you need a great closer if you're not going to contend in 2019? Um, then you, I, I think you also have to get into the idea of what do you do with a guy like even – I don't know that the Rangers would, would go down this road this year, um, but come the wintertime – uh, you may have to explore the idea of, you know, would a guy like Nomar Mazzara bring you more in a trade uh, than he'd be worth to you as you go through this rebuilding? So there's a lot, there's a lot of questions for the Rangers as this as this rebuilding process really gets started, and I think it is 
it is a long-term uh, proposition. It's not something that's going to be easy. You look at the American League West, and it might be the best division in baseball right now. Uh, Houston is a defending world champion and has the look of a team that very well uh, might win again this year. They're going to lose Dallas Keuchel after this year, but their rotation has, has, has gone very well without Keuchel performing at a high level this year. Uh, with Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, uh, they've they've got a and Charlie Morton. They've got a a really strong rotation and should have one for for the for the foreseeable future, along with a nucleus of homegrown, developed talent. Uh, and you can you can talk about the the Astros tanking and what they did with first round picks, but. Look, this team has Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, George Springer, who's having something of a down year. Uh, it's got four really good nucleus players who are all very young, uh, all all championship caliber players, and they've got them there for a while. Um, uh, it's it's going to be a big hurdle for the Rangers to overcome here uh, in the in the short term, uh, Seattle, I don't know what to make of Seattle. They're 19 games above 500. They've got a minus two run differential. Uh, I think we've seen guys like James Paxton really, really come into his own this year. I think it's clear that uh, Gene Segura has become a star shortstop. Uh, guys like, like Hanniger, um, uh, have really come on this year. Um, but I'm still not sure what to make of, of Seattle long term. Uh, the Oakland Athletics have been a huge surprise in how they've played, particularly lately, uh, and they are full of young players, and they're 13 games over 500 at the break. The LA Angels, I think, are in a also in kind of a uh, what's the best way to describe it at, at a real at a real juncture in their future. You know, they've got the best player in the game in Mike Trout. They they lucked into the Shohei Otani signing over the winter time. Uh, they've somewhat underachieved to be one game over 500 at the break. Uh, they're still kind of burdened with the Albert Pujols contract, uh, and they've got some some decisions to make on potential the idea of potentially being a seller. If they sell Tyler Skaggs, uh, starting pitcher Tyler Skaggs, I think they're going to get they will get more in return. Uh, on that deal than anything the Rangers could put together this winter, this, this summer. So if the Angels decide that they're going to sell, uh, I think they're in a better position to restock their farm system this this summer than the Rangers are. Uh, so it's not, a, you know, it's not a great picture for the Rangers in, in, in how they go about the idea of rebuilding this club. I do think there have been several really – nice developments over the first half that, that do get typically overlooked in in what has been a poor first half. But for me, the, uh, the most significant things are that um, I think the implosion of the team early on, and, and I wrote about this and it's on our website right now, but the early season implosion uh, with the injuries and the poor performance left no doubt that this team needed to go down a rebuild, pro uh, rebuild process and uh, at least allow the Rangers to put their full efforts into that rather than 
hang around 500, maybe be on the fringes of the of the second wild card race and not be decisive about what they want to do. Falling on their face early allowed the Rangers to switch their gears and start this rebuilding process in terms of how they approach things from an organization standpoint. That's important. I think that uh, the injuries and the implosion created some opportunities, and there have been guys to me who have really seized upon them. And I, I want to give you one stat real quickly. I, I, I think we've talked an awful lot about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and he's got a great feel for the game. I think he's a championship player, and he has definitely seized the slimmest of opportunities. But I think in some regards, Ronald Guzman has gotten overlooked here. And and as we roll into the All-Star break, Ronald Guzman, who was always going to be tied with Nomar Mazzara because they signed together for giant signing bonuses in 2011, uh, Mazzara came up about two weeks into the season, just like uh, – uh, I'm sorry, Guzman came up about two weeks into the season, just like Mazzara did two years ago in his rookie season. Um as we sit here at the All-Star break of his rookie season, Ronald Guzman has a 759 OPS. Compare that to Mazzara, who granted was two years younger at the time that this took place, but at the break of his rookie season, Mazzara had a 750 OPS. So there, as, as offensive numbers have somewhat gone down in baseball over the last couple of years, Guzman has put together a better OPS as a rookie than Mazzara did through the first half. And what I also think is significant is the way they finished the first half. Mazzara came out uh, in 2016 and got off to a great start and um, then kind of cooled down. And he hit, over the last six weeks before the break, he hit 257 and had a 654 OPS. Those are all numbers that I think are pretty commensurate with a 21-year-old rookie who's now having to learn how to make adjustments to the big leagues. But compare it to, to Guzman, who struggled for the first month or so of his major league career, and since June 1, he's hitting 269 with a 343 on on-base percentage, a 409 slugging percentage, and a 751 OPS. Uh, he's shown a better ability to adjust than Mazzara has early in his big league career. I think that's significant, and I think that Ronald Guzman, there were an awful lot of questions about him going into the season. I think he has pushed the Rangers to say he can be an everyday first baseman for this team. I think that also allows for Joey Gallo to move to left where he can be an above-average left fielder. So I think they can potentially upgrade their defense long-term in two, in two spots. The other spot where opportunity is, is, is presented itself is, um, is in the bullpen where um, where Jose LeClerc and Keone Kella have both seized upon late-game high-leverage situations and pitched really well. Uh, I think Ricardo Rodriguez is going to get a much longer look in the second half, uh, and he's pushing his way into the picture. And I think you're going to see lefties Brady Feigl and CeeDee Pelham both pitch in the big leagues this year before it's out. Uh, so I, I think there is some – there, there, there has been some real progress on on the bullpen side. Uh, I think the, the in the last month we've seen a real turnaround from Rugnet Odor. Offensively, he he rolled into the into the break with a an 884 slash line over uh, 884 OPS over the last 22 games um, before the break. It, it it came exactly on the heels of his one game benching in Kansas City. Uh, those are the kind of a 282, 
371-513-884 slash line are the kinds of numbers you would beg for for Odor. I think the on-base for him, you know, is always going to be the biggest question. But clearly right now he's he's got a, ba- a better approach. Uh, he's using the bunt for some hits, and he's taking more walks. Uh, if he put a slash line together like that, he's an elite second baseman, especially when you factor in what the guy has done defensively over the last – since really the middle of May. Uh, he has worked every day with Tony Beasley before games. He's worked with a purpose, uh, and he put together a 41-game airless streak, which is the longest of his career. Came to it, it came to a uh, an end uh, this past week, but he's made one error in his last 44 games, and he's looked smooth and fluid at the position more so than ever before. Uh, it looks like he's confident in going after balls, but he's not going after them uh, hair on fire. Uh, blindly running. I think he's he's running with a purpose, running to a spot. He's got a much better idea. It, it, it appears to be have been a moment of self-realization for Odor, which then brings me to Joey Gallo. And I think that uh, this is the big project for the second half, is that you hope Gallo has a similar moment of self-realization uh, at the plate. Um, I talked to Gallo on Sunday. He brought up the idea of, of how frustrated it appears that, that the shift has made him uh, and uh, when he never used the word frustrated, but he did say that, look, when, when the shift gets banned and he thinks that the, that the shift will get banned, which I'm not so sure of, uh, he's going to be nasty again. But he's got to be at least uh, formidable now. He has got to find a way to get on base. And uh, I, I really got, took away from this conversation in Baltimore that Joey sounds like he's frustrated, and the comments about the sh- the shift and and what it's done, and and they all fall in line with what his agent Scott Boris said a week ago, but they all sound like a young player who is frustrated uh, by the way guys are playing him, and it sounds like a guy who's ha- allowed that shift to get in his head to some extent. I think that's something the Rangers have to address, uh, and and I think it's something that, you know. A year ago, Joey made some some real self-realization adjustments at the All-Star break. He was able to get away from the game uh, and kind of not have to – I think sometimes when you get away from the game and you're not in that daily grind and daily routine of just work through the – the, the reps every day, get to the field, do your workout. When you get a couple of days to just kind of sit back and think, I think sometimes it allows you. I'm not saying that he's going to go into a dark room somewhere, uh, close all the windows, uh, and, and just think, what can I do? But I think it just does become a little bit more um, – it's a little easier to kind of have an epiphany about, hey, this is what somebody was saying, or, oh, I get this, or, okay, this is how I'm going to approach it. And and I think it is important for him to have a reset. Uh, and so that's, uh, you know, the, those are where I feel like the have been the biggest significant developments for the Rangers this year uh, for the first half. I do think now as we get ready for the, for the final two weeks going into the, the trade deadline, um, the Rangers have some – have some hurdles here because I don't think that the trade market has developed the way the Rangers had hoped it would for them going into the season. The possibility existed that, Hey, if Adrian Beltre was healthy and productive, uh, that maybe 
Uh, he could be traded if he so wished to a contender for a legitimate piece. Uh, I think that that the Rangers aren't necessarily anxious to trade Beltre. I think Beltre's also had a little bit of a change of heart and might be more willing to just stay here, finish out his career, which is great news for fans. But it's not going to bring the Rangers anything in the way of a significant prospect. So uh, that's one thing. Cole Hamels has not pitched well, uh, particularly over the last month. Now he could could have two good outings here before the All-Star break, and a lot of different people say, wait, let's remember the Cole Hamels that pitched in the postseason all the way up through 2015. Uh, this guy knows how to pitch. He's a veteran. Uh, come big games, we can count on him. Uh, and maybe that gets the Rangers more of a return. But his contract situation with an option uh, for next year and significant no-trade protection that eliminates all but not – doesn't eliminate, but gives the Rangers only nine teams they can talk to without having to bring in the possibility of of somebody potentially guaranteeing his, his $20 million contract for next year um, – it makes it a little bit easier for the Rangers to deal him to a team like Seattle, Atlanta, or Philadelphia. If I was gambling today, I'd, I'd put my money on Seattle or Philadelphia. Um, I think going to Philadelphia might be good for him. He's still revered there. I think this is a guy who's had a little bit of of, of a crisis of confidence. Um, uh, he still maintains a home there. Uh, I think that might be a good fit for him. Um and then the guys, the Rangers signed this offseason to one-year deals that they hoped, like, hey, they might, they maybe they'll recover something and we could hang around the playoff race in 2018. Those guys have not provided anything for the Rangers. Doug Fister has been hurt for most of the year. Uh, Matt Moore has been a failure as a starter and has been moved to the bullpen. Rangers won't realize anything for that. Uh, Tony Barnett was a reliever that they thought maybe they'd trade for something minor at the break. Barnett's hurt, and he's going to miss probably uh, the great majority, if not all, of the second half. So uh, they won't get anything there. Jake Diekman has some good overall numbers, but when you look inside them, Jake's value is basically going to be as a guy who gets left-handers out. And his splits this year have not been great against lefties. He's had he's allowed a 450 on base percentage to lefties. So I think he's going to find a home. I think that somebody's going to value him. I think he's a good, a really good teammate. I think that he's got some some pennant race experience. But I think that this is a trade that's going to end up getting be getting made on uh, the morning of July 31st, and I don't think it's going to bring the Rangers a whole lot in return. So the idea is that the Rangers are going to get through this year basically having to count on themselves uh, rather than other clubs being willing to help them kind of regrow their farm system. I think they've taken some steps to do that. I think that they had a good draft last year. Uh, they feel really happy with their draft this year. Uh, they're taking some patience with uh, the three young pitchers they took in the first four rounds, Cole Wynn, uh, Owen White and uh, Forney's Mason Englert, uh, and they're not even pitching in games. They're simply working on on strengthening their bodies and, and getting themselves in a better physical condition uh, for, for the future, which I think is smart after guys come off of high school and showcase uh, regimens. Um, but the Rangers are on their own here to develop and grow their minor league system. 
it presents some significant challenges. And I think as we sit here at the all-star break of 2018, you have to wonder uh, if this regrowth and rebuild is not going to carry at least to 2021 before this club can really, without the aid of major, major free agent expenditures. And hey, maybe they do go down that road. Maybe they do say, look, we're willing to put, we're going to have more revenue coming in from the stadium. We've got a brand new stadium. Maybe the Rangers are going to put money into free agency uh, on, on in big ways over the next two years. But barring that, I think that the, the chances of the Rangers getting back uh, to contention based on what they have in the system is going to take more than, than 2019 and, uh, and 2020 for, for them to uh, successfully affect. So that's it. I've talked for half an hour. Um, my wife actually likes when I talk. She likes to talk to me. So at least I'm, I'm sure she's happy or probably upset that I can carry on a conversation by myself for half an hour. But I struggle to carry it on with other people for that long. Um, but I've enjoyed prattling on here, uh, not being interrupted by Kevin. Um, I hope Kevin's having a nice time water skiing and in Arkansas and hopefully he'll return soon and, and he and I can chat. But in the meantime, I hope you, uh, uh, made it through this awake. Uh, I enjoyed being with you and until next week from the ballsy crew. So long everybody.